Hello? Oh, yeah, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know what happened. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that pretty much sums up Mer- Mercury retrograde. Stationing direct as we are talking. Thank goodness. See, and perfect timing. Welcome to Coast to Coast. This is your girl, Diamond, tuning in from the west side. Jamal, what you up to over there in the nation's capital? Um, well, you know, trying to stay in my little bunker and make sure that I stay out of harm's way. But, you know, in all seriousness, it's been very quiet, mm-hmm. kind of eerily quiet today. Um, <laughs> so I've just been, like, laying low, relaxing. You know, I was off from my nine to five today so i just took some time to just relax oh i think that's the that's the what, is it, what is what is the energy like over there i mean where we live it's not really in the middle of too much we're close enough to the city that we can drive but we're far enough that we can enjoy the quiet that this particular city almost said where i lived <laughs> But just to be able to have this chill, I really appreciate it. The grocery stores are stocked. Well, you know what? It's kind of like weird, though, because I feel like it's that time of year where it's like it's almost like when you're when, you know, a boxing match is about to happen. (laughs) And it's like you've already paid pay-per-view. You talked your trash to your friends. Like, yeah, I I bet on so-and-so. No, I'm betting on this person. And then it's like. Oh, they about to fight. <laughs> Somebody's gonna lose some money. But I mean, it's like more than money's at stake, obviously. Like not to make this like a joking matter, but like it's or like okay, when you're in school and it's those two kids that you know don't like each other and they say they're gonna fight after school. Yeah. Yes, I think that is the <laughs> and everybody's okay, following yeah. behind like ooh, but Loki's scared ooh, at the same time. Right. Like, How the hell are we following behind this shit? Right. Yeah. And I'm glad that the planets are in support of moving forward. It's weird because I feel like with retrogrades, I think the adequate like way to describe it is kind of like trying to pledge ahead while feeling like a rubber band is pulling you back, mm-hmm. it's like a slingshot almost. And then it's like when the planet goes direct, it's almost like you're thrusted forward into that area that you've been like, oh, suddenly everything fell into place or, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Or, and I think with Mercury retrogrades too, Usually it's like some type of idea. I I tweeted about this too. Mm -hmm. It's usually some type of idea or some partnership, some partner, maybe money even. Depends on what Mercury could represent like at that time for your chart, for you, maybe. Like usually something is revealed when Mercury starts um, going like in direct motion. Excuse me. And that's because like a lot of times when Mercury is retrograde, depending on how close it is to the sun we usually can't see mercury mm-hmm. while um it is retrograde because it's usually either behind mm-hmm. the sun or being blocked by the sun um and then usually when mercury is direct we're usually able to see it in the sky and assuming that it's not you know combust or and combust can mean when it's within like less than like 10 degrees i would uh-huh. say from the sun so right now the sun is in scorpio mercury is now direct in libra so mercury is now visible again mm-hmm. because mercury is in a different sign than the sun so and mercury and libra is all about like communicating it's all about being diplomatic it's all about being fair you know being balanced trying to find like you know what's equally harmonious and beneficial for all parties involved like this is the permission that you needed to go back to the drawing board on whatever the situation is and just kind of, you know, tighten up, double check everything. That's the cool thing about it. It's like 
everything in our universe has a rhythm like that, where it's not always pushing, pushing, pushing. There comes a time where it's appropriate to just assess. I feel like that's what retrogrades are. You don't have to be mad if you can just sit down and go with that flow. And then, like you said, as soon as it goes direct, you will have everything you need to to hit it. There's almost something dynamic about it kind of like a duality about you know retrogrades with before and after I think that's like the creative one of the creative forces of our universe at least like duality seems to play a really important role in creation where it's like we need that contrast like if you think about just the seasons I know that some of my favorite like my two favorite seasons are spring and fall because of the transition of it Like there's nothing like when it's finally getting to the spring months and you check your weather app and it's finally like 78 degrees. You're like, oh, yes, it's time for shorts. Like after all of these sweaters and all of these jackets and thermals, now I can wear these shorts. Like that's my favorite time because everything is just looking up. And then towards the end of the year, when it starts getting colder, you're waiting for it to get back down to the 70s. So that you can go and wear that cute sweater that you haven't worn all year. I know. I definitely agree. And um, it's funny that you were talking about, like, the, your favorite seasons. Because usually Mercury retrogrades happen three times a year mm-hmm. during either spring, summer, and then fall, winter. See? With the fall, winter part being kind of debatable. There's a reflection for just about everything that we can experience. There's something in the universe or something in nature that reflects it perfectly. And you know what? Actually, I know you were talking about something really interesting before we got on here. Um, You were talking about the Jupiter-Pluto transit because I'm just like, I feel that um, as far as that resurgence, it definitely feels like we're kind of back to a choice point. Yeah. um, And I know like, so Jupiter and Pluto conjunctions happen, I want to say on average about every 12 years or 12 to 15 Mm -hmm. years. and I know, I like, so I know to take it all the way back, the last time Jupiter and Pluto, and I want to say Saturn too, were all in the sign of Capricorn like this, where it was about about almost 200 years ago. Whoa. Um, at, yeah. Um, and, you know, at the advent of slavery and, you know, like, as well as other things going on with, you know, this country's birth. And then, you know, there's also the thing about how empires have a certain lifespan. Um, if you all are not familiar with that, I'll let you do a little bit of research. But there's said to be a lifespan on how long empires last um, as well. And Jupiter-Pluto conjunctions are really significant because they usually represent culminations. Mm-hmm. Um, as, so there's like an ending and a beginning in a, in a way. And Pluto is pretty much a very remove what's not necessary in a cathartic sense. It's Scorpio mm-hmm. energy. Um, and so Pluto has a way of just kind of removing what's not really there, you know, that isn't necessary and kind of in a death and rebirth upheaval kind of way. And while we've had Pluto and Capricorn since 2008, I think it's kind of come, um, it's kind of gotten to a point where it's become glaringly obvious what our issues are with, you know, our government structures or just our governing bodies. And I don't think that's just a United States thing. I think it's a global thing. We've seen a lot of public unrest as well um just with the pluto and capricorn transit and the reason why capricorn is the you know the sign that represents the government as well um it's also the old man 
in you know in astrology mm-hmm. so that's what we've been seeing a lot of since pluto's been in capricorn and that transit will continue um up until about another i think four or five years 2025 is when pluto will go into aquarius um and so jupiter is like the great benefic um planet as well with venus venus is the lesser benefic mm-hmm. and whenever jupiter is an action jupiter is expanding with it touches it's bringing um you know some type of largeness or you know big quality to whatever it's touching there's some type of expansion that's going on and jupiter is not just always about expansion but there's something that's philosophical there's something that's inherently um spiritual or higher minded about jupiter as well and jupiter can blow things out of proportion um jupiter rules storytelling and then i think you also have to keep in mind you know in a chart together Pluto is kind of where you're tempted to overdo things or to exert complete control or where you want to have complete control, where Jupiter is where you want to overdo things for the sake of, you know, feeling important, maybe not even just feeling important, but you overdo things because it gives you a sense of moral high ground. Um, you know what I mean? So Jupiter naturally rules the ninth house So the ninth house. You go to church or you know usually people try to go to church because it makes them feel closer with source Mm -hmm. spirit right you know that's why you go or that's why you know some people are heavily on i have to be spiritual i have to do this i have to do that because it you know helps them drown so jupiter kind of brings uh almost a it's almost like too much you know what i mean like energy it's almost like a too much so when they come together in a chart it creates like a lot of things um so wealth comes to mind influence comes to mind and i did have some examples and there have been a few that have happened but i know you and i were born during a particular one and that was the jupiter pluto conjunction in scorpio which happened during december of 1994 Uh however jupiter and pluto were co-present in the same sign of scorpio pretty much throughout that entire year so even if you don't have the conjunction by, let's say, five or 10 degrees, the energies can still be felt because what will happen is they still kind of operate similarly. Um, so planets, when they're in the same sign, but several degrees away from each other from forming a conjunction, they still operate somewhat similarly. It's just that they're having slightly different version of the same conversation. Um, <clears throat> so some examples like that I wrote down that I remembered specifically crazy sexy cool it was tlc's like best-selling album ever but it also was the album that made them go bankrupt so pluto and scorpio and jupiter and scorpio expansion and the album was about sex um, about liberation female sexuality Mm -hmm. so you know and i think that goes hand in hand with scorpio energy but it's also like the jupiter pluto the very ugly parts about female sexuality too there is an exploitative nature they were you know i don't want to say exploited but in a sense that they were the highest selling girl group they you know had these big songs they wore these you know super sexy stage outfits right but they had nothing to show for it so i'm not saying you know that they were exploited in that sense but i'm just saying that there's a symbolism there of you know the female anatomy the female body there's scorpio energy there's something it's deep it's Mm -hmm. intimate it's you know almost like compulsive and there is this compulsive thing that we have in america about female sexuality but there's also this other caveat of feeling like there's what is the worth of it you know what i mean so jupiter pluto kind of brought that to kind of you know the forefront and i remember they went on a a band or not recording for a while after that album because of you know everything that happened but not to get too deep um mariah carey her christmas album came out that same year 25 years later before and then really it was it was actually crowned one of the best-selling christmas albums of all time before the 90s oh my god um yeah so 
And um, Illmatic, Nas, Nas's most influential album, or arguably one of his most influential. Now, his album was released in April of 94, mm-hmm. and I checked the chart of that day. Jupiter and Pluto are several degrees away. Like, they are not even forming an aspect to each other, technically. Mm-hmm. But I think what it's worth noting is there are themes, lyrical themes on that album about urban poverty, about drug violence. Um, or maybe just, you could even talk about the pursuit of, you know, what power looks like, what influence looks like, and what comes with that, or what it looks like to be on the other end of when you don't have power and you don't have influence, what that looks like to be somebody of color in America at that time. And you also got to think in the background during this Jupiter-Pluto conjunction at that time, that was the peak of, like, I think the AIDS epidemic as well, which had started several years prior. Um, So Pluto, you know, I'm sorry, Scorpio rules the genitals. So makes sense that a STD, you know, was one of the peak conversations of an epidemic at the time, you know, and um, Jupiter Pluto conjunctions um, usually are really good because what will happen is over the next 12 years or so, whatever idea that you start under that transit, you can really see it take light. Um, And just a few more examples um, that I also found. So JP Morgan um, or JP Morgan Chase, I'm sorry, which was the number one bank. In the USA, that actually was started from what I found on December 1st, 2000. And that was during the Jupiter-Pluto opposition. Jupiter was in Gemini. So Gemini is ruled by Mercury. It's communication. It's cars. Uh, it's the way you you know think, mm-hmm. the way you talk. And Pluto is in Sagittarius, which is about universal truths. So think about those two themes, Jupiter and Pluto opposition, an opposition aspect implies that you have to try to combine those things. So communication about money and the universal truths about money. And a lot of people struggle with wealth, right? A lot of people struggle with debt. A lot of people, you know, struggle with consolidating. Um, So I think it's interesting that a Jupiter Pluto opposition would signify the number one bank in America, which if you think about it, banks make money off of what people even knowing how to save money yep exactly um and then I, and then there was bank of america which was november 1st 1930 is the chart i see that has pluto and jupiter in cancer which i think um kind of speaks more to the fact that cancer is the mother it's the woman and i think that kind of speaks more to the time frame from then till now bank of america has become a household name oh, yeah. if you think about it or a household bank Um, So just a few, you know, little examples of something I saw um, and I thought was interesting. And, you know, sorry, one more thing that um, now this one, I will bring this one up because I just think you will think this is interesting. And from a polarity Mm -hmm. standpoint, the U.S. Department of the Treasury. I'm just going to say the placements and I'm going (laughs) to leave it at that. Jupiter was in the sign of Leo um, th- at this time. And this is September 2nd, ni- um, 1789. Mm-hmm. So way back. Pluto's in the sign of Aquarius. So let's talk about that really, really quick. And then let's and then let's look at what's going on as well in the background. So this is a way that you can also look at your chart and you can look at some themes going on. Jupiter and Leo is about belief in the self. You know, I believe right. that I am, so I am a star. Pluto and Aquarius, well, how can I make sure that what's going on is for the benefit of everybody? How can we make sure that these social structures are for the benefit of everybody? And remember, Aquarius is ruled by Saturn. So it's about, you know, 
you know, it's a, not so much diplomacy, but it's more so about a sense of how can we make sure that these structures serve the greater whole as opposed to one individual. And then Leo is all about the self. And then you got to look at the ruling planet, the ruling planet of this Pluto, which was in Aquarius at the time. And we're about to come up on a Pluto um, return for this particular chart. We're looking at the U.S. Department of Treasury. So I'm going to leave that alone. But the Saturn placement was in Pisces, which is ruled by Jupiter and Leo. So interestingly enough, and then we look at, you know, Jupiter, which is ruled by the sun and the sun that day was in the sign of Virgo. So again, there's just some things that come to mind. So remember, we were talking about, you know, the bank, you know, in Gemini, that's also ruled by Mercury. So you kind of see these weird themes with certain signs and these certain placements of oppositions where you can kind of see there's things going on. You know what I mean? The oppositions imply there's a challenge between bringing mm-hmm. two energies together. So, you know, if you want to ask yourself a question of whether or not, you know, well, if there's oppositions going on, is this chart doing what it's supposed to do? Is this bank or is this thing doing what it's supposed to do? I think that's a question that you can kind of see for yourself when you look up these charts and you see the Jupiter-Pluto cycles and then you see the sign where it's going on. Um, so I thought that was just really, really interesting. That is really interesting. It's cool that you can kind of have the technology to go back and see exactly what was going on in the sky, you know, like years before we were born or, you know, even the year that we were born. And it's exciting, too, because it's like, OK, well, if that energy was conducive to all of these dope ass musicians coming out and stamping, you know, their art and stamping their presence then what, you know, that same energy is potentially available for us to work with now. Like, how how do we want to mm-hmm. use that energy? What do we want to build with it? And I think, too, like, it's so important that you mentioned that the energy is pretty neutral. It just depends on, like, how you want to use it. The information is there. The resources are there for you to become a successful musician, for example, But how are you going to harness that? Are you going to harness it in a way that's responsible so that you can have a career that's long term, long lasting? Or are you more interested in, you know, uh, to here today, gone tomorrow type of experience? It's like the planets, nothing chooses that for you. It's all about what you decide to do with that energy. You could still, you know freaking become a millionaire next year and give all of your wealth away which i also want to mention um there was someone that i found um as well that was born during a jupiter pluto um conjunction as well and i want to say he gave all of his wealth away he was born during a jupiter pluto conjunction and cancer so again like household name um and he actually made history for i think making 8.9 billion dollars or somewhere in that neighborhood and he made history in 2019 for successfully giving all his money away to a private um foundation so and he does not own a home he just i think he maybe owns one car he has like one or two pairs he's like 90 (laughs) years old now but you know he he said that he you know he also said that he never really liked living a very wealthy lifestyle while other people were suffering you know so you can you know there's research out there on him pretty much talking down on wealth actually so it can so it's like you said like i think that's so interesting it can go the complete opposite way where he made a lot of money and yeah. he wasn't satisfied with that because he really didn't have it to share with anybody and that's kind of weird because well not weird it's funny because <laughs> it's so cancer cancers are homebodies they're so like 
oh my god let me cook you a meal let me do something yeah. for you like they're mother Teresa really are they really are so I think that's interesting that he would be able to make all that money and say you know what if I can't really share with everybody like what that's so doing? real that's honestly the type of wealthy that I plan on being I want to be able to travel I want to be able to do beautiful things with my friends and with my family and now people like us have an opportunity to look back kind of at the roadmap or the blueprint of energetically what was going on at any given moment and take advantage of it now. Cause I know like if that, you know, the energy I'm trying to $8 billion. Are you kidding me? Do you know what I would do with that? But it's exciting. It's an exciting time and also scary. I mean, it's been written in so many different ways, but it's just the idea that when something's changing to us or to a person, it looks like destruction because if something's changing, then that means whatever was there is no longer there. Yeah, it looks like there's just a meteor coming to destroy all of our social structures (laughs) and our way of being. It just looks scary to me from this vantage point. But I want to believe that as we continue to pan out and just incorporate the larger picture, that it will be for the better. And I always believe that things are working out for the better because that's that's our universe. That's our creator. You know, mm-hmm. like there's no reason that things would just be mm-hmm. going to shit for no reason. It just looks like that because I feel like I'm holding out for the gift at the end of it all or, you know, the flowers at the end of the storm. And I feel like the right. arts are going to be a right. huge part of that because art is a way that people express their feelings. And I feel that that's something that's been really missing from art the past couple of years. Like they have some people that have come out that have been soulful as far as music, as far as painting, even as far as cinema, there's just been so many beautiful breakthroughs. And I think we're getting closer and closer to really having our feelings out on front street when it comes to how we are sharing our art. And I think that's an important change that, that all of this chaos is 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 forcing on us. And may we finally get our just desserts and just deserved when it comes to being awarded properly. Um, I don't think or necessarily expect, you know, like the Grammys or anyone like that to like change their tune. But I just definitely, definitely think that we're getting to a point where like things just can't mm-hmm. stay how they've been. Like yeah. it's, just, it's clear as day that there's a lot of like contrast between what's popular and what's that's actually like incredible you know what i mean and i think that's been a big disparity going on for a very long time and not even just in popular culture on a lot of other levels too and um i think it's just getting to a point where it's not so much about being against or anti anything but it's about giving people their just you know deserved because what happens when people don't get what's really deserved to them that's real and then people don't want to talk exactly. anymore. And then people don't want to have a conversation anymore. Right? And then it's like, well, why are you upset? And it's right. like, well, um, hello. Right. There's just a lot of sway given to these institutions to turn around and say, who's the best musician? We're still there. But more and more, especially with these streaming platforms, especially with how accessible it's becoming for people to go into business for themselves and share their art and distribute their art on their own it's more and more going to be dependent on the people to decide who is actually a big name just based off of who is really touching people. Like that dude, Toby, that made the song Arrested Killers of Breonna Taylor. Uh, it was just like, damn, you know, like this, he's talking about something and people are actually wanting to listen. 
that's that wouldn't have been the case in the heat, you know, like the pinnacle of fucking mumble rap. Like nobody would be trying to hear that. But now people are becoming more receptive because it's like, no, we need that stuff that's going to make us think because we got a lot of shit to think about right now. You know, we always make these jokes or these comments or they ask these questions about, remember back in the day when people used to write love letters and people used to do that? Well, that's because collectively, that's the type of vibe they were all on. You know what I'm saying? Like, they were all on that vibe. Like, okay, I'm I'm with all that, like, (laughs) you know, emotional stuff. And, you know, that's just... And I mean, we laugh like now, or we, you know, as a generation, oh, whatever. But like, yeah. you know, that's the type of vibe they were on. That's why people were singing to people back in the day and writing songs about them and all types of stuff that, you know, now we're like, we're too cool <laughs> for that. And hell no, I would never. But, you know, that's the type of vibe they were on energetically. And I feel like that's something that I'm not saying we have to bring it back, but I think we could do things differently. And I think, you know, we also don't trust each other as humans because we don't have an easy time opening up and being vulnerable. So it's like a thing of we have to give a little bit yeah. to, give some, to get something, you know what I mean? Like if we want things to be back or at least even better or at, on some type of wavelength where like people feel good about expressing themselves and expressing love and stuff like that again, then we have to make it okay to like express. Everyone doesn't have to be, you know, right. a chart topping or a viral this or right. that, but everyone can do their own thing without it being trendy. Um, or you know what? I will say this. I don't mind social media making everything trendy like when people when it comes to people expressing themselves or people putting their art out there i just wish that there wasn't the superficialness of expectation of it um i think that's the only thing like if we could get away from that i think there's nothing wrong with people getting on there and like wanting to put their businesses or their ideas or whatever it is like i think that's cool like i think it's great but you know there is a such thing as like it being superficial or being played out or you know it's almost like a playing to type type of thing yeah you, know, you and i a lot. Talk about that that like, is honestly one of my biggest challenges of this year because it's like i i'm not that girl like you know me i could care less about any of the social medias but now especially with the way that um the virus has changed the way that we're allowed to interact like I'm the type of person I'm going to you can catch me at open mic. So now I'm having to figure out how do I navigate this space that I don't particularly resonate with. And it's been tough, even with this podcast, like all of these things. I would love to just be at a museum and just have deep conversation with somebody because we're looking at the same painting, you know, but we have to make do with what we have access to now. And it's just all a part of the times changing. And um. I guess just learning how to take in it as it comes instead of fighting it. But that is definitely something that's been a challenge for me. It's great because there are always going to be challenging times, but there's always going to be something that you can look back at and say, like, I've already been through something challenging or I've already been through, you know, something that I didn't even know if I was going to be able to make it through. And I made it through. I figured it out. So I think, you know, this year has been just one of those years where it's like, I'm never going to forget what I went through, you know, this one, you know what I mean? Like, and I think, you know, our parents all had that time of their lives or their young adult years where they were like, that was a crazy time or, you know, and I think we're, Hey, we're in, it's our turn, you know, so we're in our batch of, (laughs) that was a crazy time. Like that was some crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Or like, 
cannot I cannot believe we went we lived through that you know right. but we're we're living through it so you know not that I had any doubt and I think like I said like that goes back to what I mean like I'm not worried about like you know I'm not like you know I don't mean to say that in a bad way I'm just not worried because I know I'm protected but you know I know we definitely are going through some things right now where we're gonna have to collectively rise to a new you know place in order for things to get better and the thing is if you're if you're feeling heartbroken or if you're feeling terrified you're not really in the position to be helpful to be honest and I think that that's something else interesting that social media has kind of Mm -hmm. brought to to the experience is the fact of like if there's something awful going on somewhere it's almost taboo for you to try to raise the vibration of the situation. And and there's a difference between raising the vibration of a situation and like I said, being delusional and being in denial. There they are two completely different things. You can never get sick enough to make a sick person get well. You can never get poor enough to make a poor person get rich. Like it's it's just factual that your brain isn't it's not ready to come up with solutions if it's in the middle of being triggered. Like that's just facts. That's just facts. And so it's just kind of like there's a difference between getting yourself to a point where you are actually capable of being a part of the solution and capable of providing help as compared to Mm -hmm. adding to the fear. You're adding to the anxiety when you're when that's all you're bringing to the situation is more anxiety. And that's not helpful. But on social media, like you would think it is helpful because that's pretty much all a lot of people bring to the conversation. Um, but it's, it's tough not to. I'm not going to sit here and say right. like I'm always equal headed. But I think since we are moving to a more digital sharing space, I'm at least trying to be more mindful of the energy that I'm bringing to a conversation. And sometimes that just means, you know, not necessarily speak on it if what I'm going to say is just going to add to the fire. But there's always ways that you can help contribute. And I think I think people can get overwhelmed with that if all they're seeing is, you know, all of the terrible things happening in the world. It's like, well, what can I do about it? And that's not helpful. So it's like at some point you have to unplug and figure out, okay, how do I just get back to the point where I'm breathing properly? How do I get to a point where, you know, my nervous system isn't on overload? To the point where I'm not even experiencing the situation as it's happening. I'm experiencing it as I was when I was five years old. The first time that I felt this way. You kind of <laughs> went there on that one. Um, <laughs> no, but like this year too, I've definitely had the thing of like the paranoia of like, oh my God, my breathing feels weird. Or, oh my God, I went in public today. Like, yeah. oh my God, like proper breathing. See? Taking a moment to be like, Whew. I'm tripping right now. I'm going a little off. Let me get my, like, literally, and then, like, saying, in my mind, like, there's, like, a voice saying to my mm-hmm. mind, like, nope, you're good. You're good. A turning no, point on my path was when I mm-hmm. learned how much your body, like, my physical body has to do with my evolution. Because most of these books and most most of the practices that you would have found prior to kind of pretty pretty recently it's all about the mind and it's all about the spirit, but it's like, that's very important. And it's honestly, you know, of a higher importance, but at the same time, you are in a body. And so you're experiencing your life from your body. So it matters how you're breathing. 
that is a big part of how you're experiencing the situation. It's not just from the spirit. It's not just from the mind. It's also from the body. And when I learned that, it changed everything because then I was like, oh, okay, that makes a lot of sense because here I am reading all these books and practicing the affirmations and I'm doing all these things. But when I'm in the situation, my heart still starts beating fast. I still get hot. I still can't, you know, all the reading and stuff goes out of the window when I'm in the middle of a trigger. And when I learned that that's just my body and that now there's exercises and um, modalities that I can use that actually support my body in changing its, um, its responses. Oh my God. I notice whenever I'm in a tough situation, if I can, if I'm breathing properly, then I'm actually using the part of my brain that's actually equipped to come up with solutions. When I'm not breathing well and my and I'm slumped in my shoulders and I'm like bad posture, I'm not thinking well. I'm not thinking straight. I'm not able to access all the information that I've picked up about, you know, how to handle the situation better, how to communicate better. And I think that that's going to be a major shift for everyone when we start incorporating our healing the body into our evolution, because you can't just do it with your brain and your spirit. Like it is, it won't work. <laughs> it won't work. Wow. That was a lot. Well, <laughs> I, does that sounds like that's a wrap on episode two, season one. Is that, am I right? Yes, Fred, we did it again. <laughs> Yo, I'm keeping that's that. I'm not even that. editing that out. I like it. Okay. I want to thank everybody <laughs> that listened to us. <laughs> everybody that listened to us. Um, and everyone who has been very, very, very supportive already. Because we're definitely creating a space where we're having open conversations. We're talking about all things under the sun, pretty much to a degree. And we're also taking it a little bit further than what like we normally talk about in our regular day-to-day conversations. Um, and we're doing it so that we can have like insightful conversations, hopefully revelations, and you know, hopefully we can have some fun too, like just learning about stuff maybe or just connecting on things that we normally wouldn't. At the end of the day, we're just talking, you know, like just expressing and it's so much fun doing this with you. And I appreciate the listeners, I appreciate the follows, the love, all of it. Um, And as far as something to leave you guys with this week before we get out of here, well, first of all, we usually we want to be able to shout out someone who's doing good work um, on each episode. And I can't think of anybody better than my friend Jamal here, who, like he mentioned quickly, that he has two books that you are able to purchase on Amazon. Um, They're poetry books and I'm not going to give it all away, but I at least had to throw that out there. Y'all, please check out his work. Um, <laughs> go ahead and give him your socials. You know what? Thank you. Well, you know what? Thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, and I want to talk about your music. Very soon. We have to leave it at that. I feel like a flower. Like, I don't know. Just, I don't Shout know. out to neither just, of us being comfortable in the spotlight. <laughs> Bye, y'all. That's a wrong baby.